Good afternoon and Merry Christmas, Seven Investors. Welcome to Seven Investing Now. My name, of course, is Daniel Brooks Klein. My friends call me Dan, and things are going well here at Seven Investing. We are doing well, but both Simon Erickson and Max Chatsko have decided to, uh, I guess, have a little sideline for the holiday season. Simon, Max, welcome to the show. Oh, 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 oh. thanks for having us, Dan. It's great to be here. This uh, yeah, this is did. a this is some expenses spared, as you can see. These are not the highest uh, the highest quality Santa outfits. But uh, guys, do you have big holiday plans before we get into our special naughty or nice edition of Seven Investing? Now, Simon, are you uh, you're in Texas? So you're roasting a whole cow or doing something like that? We are. It's a chilly seventy degrees outside here, Dan. It's going to be a great holiday season. And uh, just to pick a fight with Texas, Simon is from Pennsylvania. He's in Pittsburgh. The, which is, of course, the barbecue capital of the country. Max, uh, any holiday plans? No, I just moved last week, so I'm looking forward to not doing anything. That uh, I just moved as well. Uh, and yeah, my Christmas is going to be spent uh, unpacking. That is that is one of the goals. I actually got kicked out of the house. If you don't know, I'm at our other house in Orlando. My wife wanted to unpack without my help. <laughs> so she's taking a couple of days. But guys, we're going to do naughty or nice. And uh, each of us has two naughties, two nices. We were very loose about this. There's no strict rules on how you're doing it. I know Max's. I do not know Simon's. Uh, some of these are going to be silly. Some of these are going to be serious. Max, you are up first. You're welcome to take the beard off if you want. I think the kids know you're not the real Santa. No, I gotta. you got to stick with it now. This is a 30-minute investment here. <laughs> All right, so my my first naughty company is a company called QuantumScape. It's a developer of something called solid state batteries. So I've been talking about solid state batteries for several years now. Uh, this was all the rage when I was in grad school, right? I went for material science and engineering, and when you're studying for electrochemistry, every battery chemistry has like you know there's like five metrics that matter for batteries, right? And they'll blow it out of the water for four of the metrics, and then on one of the metrics, it's just a killer. And it means you can't really commercialize. Uh, it has no commercial potential for that chemistry. So solid-state batteries are the one like rare thing where it's like, on paper, this is amazing, right? We can get double the charge of what we have today for half the weight. You could have cars that get 1,000 miles per charge. Uh, you can have fast charging. You can get up to 80% charge or full battery in like 15 minutes. So this is really what we need for transportation. Here's the thing. Solid-state batteries won't really be here until the second half of this decade and probably not until the very end of this decade, right? So QuantumScape just went public, and uh, recently, as of yesterday, it was at a $46 billion valuation. But here's the thing, Dan. It's not going to have any substantial revenue until 2026, and it's not going to have a full facility. That doesn't, that, doesn't matter. that doesn't matter anymore. We are, living in the, uh, we are living in the twilight zone where just like speculation and hype, like a company I've barely thought of is worth $850 million. Like, it is crazy. Max, finish up here. Yeah, it's just insane. So I would say, uh, you know, be careful. A lot can go wrong between now and 2026, obviously. There's so much uh, delay or whatever can happen. Um, so, you know, let's let's be reasonable here, people. <laughs> let's be reasonable, says the man dressed in the low-budget <laughs> Santa suit. Uh, Simon Erickson, CEO of 7investing. Who made your naughty list this year? Oh, 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 well, Dan, I'm so glad you asked because we've got presents for the nice file and we don't have reliable access to coal down here in Texas. So we're going to be giving out pine cones instead. 
The first pine cone <laughs> for the naughty list is going to investing in China. This has been a terrible year for investing in China. At the top of my naughty list has been Luckin Coffee, who overstated their financial results of hundreds of millions of dollars of revenue they did not earn. Now, that is definitely a problem for investors when you can't trust those financial statements. It caused them to be delisted from the NASDAQ and pay several fines. They're back up and running again. But I have to keep an eye out for this one, Dan, because I just can't trust their financial results anymore. And in addition to that, there's plenty of trade tensions going on. We won't go into those because there's political reasons for that. But in addition to that, we also saw Ant Financial pull the largest IPO of the year one of the largest IPOs of all time, worth over $330 billion of valuation expected, uh, get pulled because its founder, Jack Ma, did not agree with the Chinese government on whether uh, Ant Financial Group was a financial technology company or more of a bank. He was wanting to make loans to a lot of the small companies that were going to be listing on Alibaba, uh, but there were capital requirements that were not quite agreed upon before the IPO. And so that led to a lot of disagreements. And the moral of the story is you've got to dot all of your I's and cross all of your T's before you go public. This is a massive breach of trust for investors. I give investing in China the first pine cone of the naughty list of 2020. You're watching Seven Investing Now. Remember that this is an interactive show. After my naughty, we're going to take a question from Tarith P. Uh, but first, let me get to my first naughty item. And that's how most media reports on what's happening in retail. It's unbelievably lazy. I hate going after the media. This has been a rough four years for media, really a rough 10 years when you look at the, the state of the business. But saying that a, the pandemic caused bankruptcies really shows you don't understand what you're reporting on. The pandemic might have hastened, say, a JCPenney bankruptcy, but bad management caused the bankruptcy. A decade of not investing. The same thing is true when you say the internet killed businesses. Only about 13.5% of sales were online for retail before the pandemic. And at the height of the pandemic, it was only 20%. So this is really an area where the lazy story is, oh yeah, Amazon killed all these companies. Bad management killed all these companies. Let's give the one corollary to this. Mall traffic is a big problem. Before the pandemic, mall traffic was not struggling. People might have been buying less, but a, a near historic amount of people were going to malls. So if uh, GNC or J. Crew or The Gap or whoever it is at the mall can't get you in the door, it's not because you're not there. You're there with your uh, you know, Auntie Annie's pretzel and your, your Starbucks drink in hand. It's the fault of these retailers. But before we get to... Uh, the first nice one from each of us. Let's take this comment from uh, Tirith P. Looking at the current markets, how much of your total portfolio are you guys invested? I'll go first. Is I put money into my investment account every other week. It's an automatic transfer. And I might not spend it the day it clears, but I almost always know what I'm going to buy. Uh, and because I can't buy fractional shares on TD Ameritrade, the only time I save it is if there's something that maybe with uh, two weeks worth of contributions I could buy a share of, I might wait. If it's something more expensive, I'll have to make sort of a personal special allocation. Simon Erickson, your thoughts here. I'm I'm a buy and hold investor. Uh, you know, I think that the question is, do you try to get in and out when times are good and the market's going up and then try to get back in when it falls back down? I tend to have um, a good portion, maybe between uh, 8 and 10% of cash that's available because I like to, to take advantage of opportunities when they come up. 
Um, but I, I'm not trying to get in and out. I think uh, if, whether the market is high or low. By the way, I dropped the Santa accent. I hope that everyone's okay with that. <laughs> Keep uh, the beard, though. <laughs> Max, the red-nosed reindeer, you're up next. I was just going to comment on like kudos to Simon for keeping up the gig, and then uh, but so much for that, I guess he couldn't he couldn't hang it with the real a great Santa, accent. Right? I did the best I could. Uh, as for me, I mean, I'm younger. I have a you know smaller portfolio. I'm still earlier in my investing career. Uh, I'm going to do a mashup of what Dan and Simon said, right? I put money in every month in my portfolio. I kind of know what I'm going to buy. Um, I'm also in it for the long haul. So uh, right now, I don't have tons of cash in my portfolio. I tend to know what I'm buying, and I buy it. And then next month rolls around, and I'll add to a position or start a new one. Um, but I would like to have more cash available for, uh, for opportunistic uh, buying. But like uh, Dan said, I, I kind of already know. You know, uh, oh, I can't wait to get money in my account so I can buy some more of this. I, w- I will also say that the new seven investing picks come out on January 1st. And, and I'll give you a bit of a tease here. I bought Max's pick during his his presentation to all of us. I did the same thing on Matt Cochran's pick. Literally, I was so convinced there was money in my account. I went and I bought just a small amount, just a few shares of these companies. That's how enticing our picks are. If you want to join us here at 7 Investing, as so many people have, this is a growing family. We wish you could have you all over, but of course, social distancing. We'll, we'll, we'll do that you know, after the pandemic. You can join at 7investing.com slash subscribe. We'll talk a little bit later in the show about how you can give a gift subscription. That is the perfect gift for anyone who's in- interested in investing. And also, if you haven't bought a gift, you're out of time. So it is a good gift, even if you just want something that seems like a good gift. Let's go to the first nice ones. Max Chasco, who's been nice this year? So my first nice list or nice list uh, inhabitant, I don't know what you want to call it, is a company called Catalent. They are a drug manufacturer and they've just been uh, cruising and crushing it this year. So at the beginning of this year, um, they bought a company in cell therapy, a cell therapy manufacturer, right? And the timing couldn't have been better, obviously, for things like the pandemic, right? Uh, and a year or two ago, they bought something called Paragon Bioservices. That was a gene therapy developer. So in recent years, they've been going all in and trying to ramp up their production and their assets within biologic drugs. It's turned out very well for this company, obviously, and there's a huge runway for growth. So this company is also manufacturing some of the uh, coronavirus vaccines. It's also manufacturing uh, just everything in the pipeline that they're trying to develop for the coronavirus. Uh, so it's been well positioned to do that. And that's because it's been a well-run company. Uh, so this company goes all the way back to, I think, like the 20s. It pioneered those, uh, you may be like Advil liquid gels or something, right? Those like quick dissolve capsules. So this was the company that did that. It did it from cornstarch way back, you know, like 100 years ago. And it's just been growing from then. So it's a great company, well-run. It was just recently added to the S&P 500. Uh, and it's, it's a rare example in my mind of a company that's had a pandemic bump, but that is also sustainable. If you want to get kids to take their pills, cornstarch is not the way to go. Do it in M&M, in M&M coating. Whatever you coat the M&M with, the shell, that should be what's around the pill. Simon, who's first on your nice list? That is indeed the truth. Now, the first on the nice inhabitant list is going to go to Palantir Technologies this year. Palantir is a very controversial company, but as an investing uh, idea it's actually been very nice. Now, why do I say that? Well, it's because Palantir went public not through a traditional IPO, but from a direct listing. The company had a lot of insiders with a sizable stake. It had been private for many, many years and decided it was time to come to the public markets. 
So a direct listing allows those insiders to cash out their shares without putting that money on the balance sheet and gives them a lot of, of, of cash that they cash out on. Now, that might not sound nice, but the reason I think it was a shareholder-friendly move is it waited until it became a publicly traded company to announce some of the largest deals that it's ever closed in the private market. $300 million recurring revenue renewal deal from one of its large aerospace customers that's believed to be Airbus. It just announced a large deal with one of the largest energy IOCs across the world that adopted its platform. And it's closing incredibly quickly across the cloud into the private markets. And so what did it do? It could have waited. It could have waited to stay a private company, announce all those deals and get the valuation even higher before it comes public. But it chooses to go direct listing, not give a lot of money to the financial underwriter for a traditional IPO, come public, announce the big deals. The stock is almost a triple since it's IPO or since it's came public just a couple of months ago. I think that's shareholder friendly. Great job, Palantir in 2020. That, uh, Simon, lots of people chiming in with comments, and we will get to the, some of them uh, coming up. Stock Investor says, you were looking extra cheery today, gents. Yeah, we didn't even plan to do this show. We were just doing this for fun. None of us have to be here. We don't have to be here anyway. Uh, but we just thought, hey, we have these Santa outfits. Max wasn't able to be with us on Monday, uh, and he was kind of sad. So you know, he wanted to sit back, wear a Santa outfit, drink, I'm assuming his hot toddy, uh, and go through the Santa motion. Simon, your accent was in and out like any Anybody who isn't from Boston in a movie, we have to use a Boston accent. It was uh, completely fluctuating there. But my nice, uh, <laughs> I'm going to go with thank you, Dan. I'm going to go with vaccine makers. I know, like on a technical level, this is Max's area is more, more than mine. But the fact that we're going to have three, maybe as many as six working vaccines by the end of Q1, it's astounding, and it's a tribute to science. Uh, I want to return to normal as much as any person in the world. I am very big on travel and have not been able to do that. And I understand people think this is something you can invest in. Don't invest in companies based on vaccines. That's something we cannot say enough. Don't make plays like, hey, I'm going to buy airlines because you know there's a massive return to airlines. That's actually something where... I would say no airline except Southwest. I'm going to have on an old friend of ours, Adam Levine Weinberg, who covers the uh, airlines in early January. And we're going to talk about uh, where, where he thinks there are actually some good buys, but it's not because of the pandemic or the vaccines. I'll also say I took a small stake in Royal Caribbean and Carnival Cruise Lines because those were really well-run businesses before the pandemic. And the vaccines make it much more likely that they're not going to go bankrupt. Simon Erickson, uh, are we back to you on the list here? I have totally lost tra uh, track of thought. Well, I guess that means it's time for the second pine cone for the second naughty list of 2020. Uh, I am going on this one, Dan, with Boeing. Yes, the airplane company. Uh, last year, not 2020, but 2019, was when it grounded its, its 737 MAX because of problems with the autopilot. It was the automated flight control system was failing. It caused two fatal crashes. That was actually a very serious situation. Now, they did what they were supposed to do. They grounded the entire fleet of 737s and fixed out the problems. And it has been approved again by the FAA. But still, Dan, between those trust concerns, uh, they lost a lot of their orders. They had several other orders delayed. And then on top of that, we've now got COVID and less travel globally anyway. And so now you see $87 billion of inventory built up. Those are finished planes sitting that have not been committed to, to actual orders and have not been delivered to their customers like Southwest Airlines and Delta and everyone else. 
And so a lot of people are calling you know, Boeing, a, a value stock. Oh, get in now. Well, it's cheap. Uh, this is a great opportunity for long-term investors. I just don't see it that way. I don't think that um, this is a good situation to be in. It's on the naughty list for me. Pinecone for Boeing in 2020. But but Simon, they had 20,000 planes ordered. It was written right on the whiteboard. You can't possibly erase something on a whiteboard. We've been talking about... It's an interesting situation. I mean, them and Airbus still are the commanding market share, 90% market share in uh, in commercial air flights, uh, the planes that are serving those those airlines. But I, I still, I don't, I don't like where this is going. I hate it when you've got um, parts sitting in inventory that aren't selling. And it's going to be anyone's guess on how long that takes to get back up and running. I'm staying away from Boeing personally. I am looking forward to the 737 Investing Max uh, that, of course, we'll be buying to fly us all around the country. Uh, and if you want, Max, we can add the extra X. Max Chasco, your second naughty company. All right, mine. Sorry about the beard. I uh, my little brother came in. It's a sensory issue for him. He hates my costume, so he made me rip it off. I negotiated keeping the hat, so we'll take that as a win. My uh, my second naughty is Plug Power. I can't wait for all the hate mail on Twitter. So this company is, of course, developing fuel cells, and it's been hyping itself up as many uh, fuel cell companies have this year for the hydrogen economy. So that's this idea that we're going to be transporting hydrogen all around and using it to fuel our cars and transportation and using all the extra renewable energy we have, of course, because we make so much renewable energy, Dan. Um, and we're going to be using this like an off-seasonal, and it's just really a bad idea on a lot of technical levels. looks really good in an investor presentation. So this company is now valued at $15 billion, which is absurd. But a lot of people are looking to 2024, right? That's what the company's really been circling on the calendar and putting people's attention to. The company expects to have $1.2 billion in revenue uh, in 2024, uh, but most of that's still going to come from its material handling business, which is like running uh, you know, forklifts in warehouses, for instance, right? The problem with that is in the last year, the company's grown revenue, uh, oh no, I have it, by 55% in the first nine months of 2020, year over year, but its operating loss has actually grown by 87%. So this money, this business is losing more money as it scales. That's a terrible, terrible trend. And I don't know what people are seeing in this company. Uh, Max, I take it that means you're not investing in my startup idea for a helium-based travel company that's uh, mostly hot air balloons. Are, are you not not in favor of that one? Um, is George Jetson the chairman and CEO or how does that work? You know, they promised us those cars, the flying cars that fold into a briefcase in like the late 70s, and we still don't have them. I do have an electric bike that folds up into a smaller electric bike that I guess in theory you could carry inside. So so that's something, but it is not great. So my naughty company, uh, it isn't so much the company. It's the crazy run-up of the stock. Uh, so Fubo TV, what is Fubo TV? It's a streaming television service like Sling, like Hulu Live, like YouTube TV, like AT&T, whatever it's called, uh, like six or seven other products. Um, it's marketed around the idea that it's the place to watch live sports without cable. Uh, Simon, Max, would you like to guess how much exclusive sports content Fubo has? Anybody? Yeah, I looked it up. It's um, They have curling, darts, and minor league soccer. It's actually none. They, they don't have ex any exclusive content. Now, what they've done is they've taken everything that's out there 
And they've gone, okay, any sport that's available, we're going to prioritize in our skinny bundle, which isn't that cheap. It's a $69.95 product. So it's, a, it's pretty much a cable-like skinny bundle. And maybe instead of giving you the cooking network, we're going to give you the cricket network. So yes, it has a lot of sports. And if you're a diehard, crazy sports guy, but most Americans, Simon, we're watching football. We're watching basketball, maybe a little baseball. There's some of us like me who watch hockey we're not watching a lot of archery in the off season. We're not watching a lot of like, hey, is that the second tier Greek soccer league? Like, all right, I'm in for the night. Like, of course, we all bet on that one. So it's not so much. Everyone thinks Fubo has this massive opportunity, and I don't see it. They have 500,000 subscribers, and I'm rounding up to give them 500,000 subscribers. The leading player, that's Hulu Live, has just over 4 million. And people say, hey, Dan, but people are going to cut the cord. You're right. Roughly another 30 million people are going to cut the cord. Many of those people are going to go to the big players in the space and probably 60 or 70% of them are going to stay with skinny bundle streaming services from Comcast and Charter and other cable companies. They're not going to go out into this world. So basically, what's the ceiling for Fubo? If they get to 5 million people in 10 years, I'll be stunned. But Dan, there's a sports betting opportunity. You know who else has a sports betting opportunity? ESPN already has partnerships in the sports world. They're owned by Disney. There is no, there is no shortage of players to partner with for sports betting. If sports betting becomes more legal nationally in terms of more states, then every service will offer some sports betting arm. That was a taboo at Disney. ESPN now has daily sports gambling shows. So there's nothing unique about Fubo. It's kind of a pricey version of Sling or Hulu Live or YouTube TV. I'm not saying for some people it's not the best choice, but they're going to struggle to be a viable business. And their other play is, hey, what if we got exclusive sports content? Sure. If you want to get the fifth-tier wrestling promotion exclusively, have at you. You bid on NBA rights or something that people want or even like the least important baseball package. Do you really think Disney's going to make ESPN available to you? And if you don't have ESPN, you know what? You're not a sports company. So this is an absolute marketing scam. Might be a good product. It is not a good investment, no matter how much it's gone up. Uh, and, and please save your hate mail. You're not going to change my mind on this one. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on, before we get to... Uh, to the next nice one on the list. Uh, we've got a comment. Uh, you're looking extra cheery today uh, and another one. And thanks for the Christmas bonus round. We are very excited. Uh, but Jay Naranjay says, uh, Simon, any thoughts on Neo? I will say I am super negative on, on Neo. But uh, Simon, and this is not Neo from the Matrix. This is Neo, the Chinese car maker. <laughs> Bullish on Neo from the Matrix, not on the Chinese electric vehicle maker. I agree with you on this one, Dan. I, I'm skeptical. Uh, people say that that... Tesla stock went up too quickly. Neo stock went meteoric in the last couple of years before they actually started producing things. China, of course, is a very competitive industry over there. Um, I, I'm skeptical. I, I think that there's potential for electric vehicles in China as an investment. This is one that I personally steer away from. Uh, now we are moving to our final nice comment. Max Chatsko, I will let you kick this one off. All right. My final nice list uh, company is neo genomics it's uh, kind of overlooked it's a genetic testing provider it's actually a an oncology reference lab so they're kind of like a quest diagnostics but they only handle tests and diagnostics uh, for cancer patients in labs right um, so they have facilities all over the world and they just take and test they crunch the numbers they hand you back the data package it works really great um, so this company when the pandemic was it was march april right when it was hitting there's so much uncertainty nobody knew what was going to happen in the next few months they came out and said, hey, look, 
we're still investing in long-term growth. Uh, we're not going to lay off any employees. Everybody's going to, you know, we're going to be here a year or two from now, no matter what happens. Um, so just for that, I mean, I always like companies that take care of their employees and, and take care of the public good. It's also been a very good investment over the years. Uh, they're always like one or two steps ahead of the curve, right? Uh, they're issuing tests for like minimal residual disease, MRD tests and diagnostics. So they handle those. Uh, you guys might not know what that is, but now that's kind of like all the rage for how we monitor cancer recurrence in a lot of patients. So they were doing that first before anyone else. Uh, they also issue their own like liquid biopsy tests. You might not have heard of that because uh, they don't really brand it, right? It's not their only product, uh, but they're in everything that's you know trendy now. Uh, they kind of just like quietly do it and they keep growing. It's a great business. I like that in Max's world, there are medical tests that are all the rage. Uh, we, like In my world, like the Mandalorian is all the rage. and in, in Max's world, there's a very different land he lives in. Simon Erickson, your last nice company. Yeah, sure. Uh, in, in, in all seriousness, Dan, my, my second nice has to be really more of a thank you to everybody who supported 7investing on this journey. Uh, it's given me a few more gray hairs in my beard to launch a startup in, in the first place, especially when you do it right in the middle of the pandemic. But to, to see where we've come uh, with this and the support that everyone's given us, the comments that you've shared with us, uh, the success of everyone that's, that shared their referral code to others to get their family and friends involved. Now we've got this live stream. We've got an award-winning podcast. Uh, we're, we're thankful for everybody that supported us on this journey. I'm very thankful for everyone that, that not only has supported us, but also my team, You know, Dan and Max. And now there are seven of us that are on board, that are all seeing the market in different ways. We have a diverse uh, opinion of, of how we look at things. We look at different types of companies and analyze them in different ways. And it's really made this enjoyable. It's made it a lot of fun. I've had a great time with 7investing in 2020. So thank you to my team and thank you, 7investors, for all of your support. Uh, it's been a really great year and I'm looking forward to 2021. Yeah, so my last nice is in a similar vein. Uh, many of you know I am not a, uh, a an inside cat. I am not a stay-at-home person. I generally am at a trade show, um, visiting colleagues. I'm on a cruise. I'm I am somewhere pretty much every other week. I don't think I spent two full weeks at home uh, in the five years preceding the pandemic. So the only good thing about all of this has been all of you, and by all of you, I mean, of course. You know, joining the seven investing team, which was scary, you know, leaving someplace I'd been for a very long time where a lot of my friends still are. And immediately it was clear, like some of us were friends beforehand. Some of us weren't. And this is a really close knit team. Like we talk all the time. If you saw how often on a Saturday night or a Friday night, we're all like sitting around doing our own thing, but also talking, maybe serious, maybe goofy. That's really appreciative. And the audience, so many of you have reached out. I threw a, a job ad up, uh, you know, just a, a little tiny thing we need help with. And I probably got like 200 people being like, well, if I, if you need someone, I could get you to this person or I'm interested. Or I had people say like, this is my dream. And it's, it's, it's not that great a job. Like it's, it's a pretty cool gig. Uh, you know, looking at the transcripts of this show. I disagree. It's a pretty awesome <laughs> job in my opinion. Dave. Well, I think we found a great member of the extended family to do it. And there's going to be other little opportunities like that, but it really was, if it wasn't for the community starting with our team, you know, and, and then extending sort of, uh, you know, some of my friends from, from other places and then moving out into the audience, this would have been a brutal year for someone who just likes to be around people. Simon, we're going to take a couple of more comments before we hit our finisher, but I wanted to talk a little bit about 
gift subscriptions. Now we don't have an easy way, you know, we're building this as we go. This is like, literally we're on a boat and we're literally like building the deck as we go. And that's fabulous. That's one of the cool things about being part of a startup. So next year, I'm sure you'll hit the gift button and you'll get a subscription this year. It's a tiny bit harder, but how does it work? It's still pretty easy. Super easy. And by the way, I'm, I'm the worst at waiting till the last minute for gifts. I'm actually going to be going out and doing some Amazon shopping and We'll see if things get there in Christmas time, in time for Christmas or not. Probably not. But Seven Investing will have you covered because within three minutes, we can get you up and running with a gift subscription. Uh, basically, all you need to do, Dan, is just place an order and then send us an email at info at seveninvesting.com to let, to let us know where, who you want the order to go to. You know, What do you want their, their sign-in name to be and their email address to be? And you can set it for an annual subscription. Really, really easy. Um, it's kind of the gift that keeps on giving because each month you get a stock pick that can keep making you money. So it's not just you get one gift at Christmas and then you don't hear anything from us anymore. It's a continual gift that keeps on giving. Uh, we do have gift subscriptions. Info at 7investing.com is the best way to set those up. Robert T. G. Cart, uh, and I maybe say Rob, Robert G. Cart uh, says, and my family is thankful to seven, the seven investing team. We are so thankful for all of you. This literally, we couldn't do this without you. Like a lot of times they say that, like you won an Oscar and you're like, well, actually the audience for the movie did not have anything to do with the movie. In this case, our revenue comes from subscriptions. I'm sure you can figure that out by looking at, at what we do. If you're not here, we're not here. And even with the free live stream, if you're not here, this is a vanity project and it's not. There's a lot of podcasts and videos that people aren't watching and we're grateful that so many of you are watching ours. We're going to take one last comment from Turf P uh, who says, of all the beaten down sectors like casinos, hotels, airlines, defense, pot, retail, energy, and restaurants, which sectors are you most bullish on in 2021 after stimulus and recovery? Thank you. I'm going to answer first. Um, none of this year changes any of that for me. I am still bullish on all of the companies in all of those sectors, which is not most of those sectors. Um, I wasn't buying airlines before this. I wasn't investing in defense stocks. I love to go to casinos. I am not invested in any casinos because it's actually a really low margin business that's very dependent on restaurants and other things driving traffic. So the retailers I liked before this, the Costco's, Walmart's, Amazon's, Target, Best Buy, I like them now. I'll like them a year from now. Uh, same thing with restaurants. There's very few McDonald's, Starbucks, you, you know, the ones that have come well through this. Um, you know, that's where my money would go in terms of cannabis. Cannabis is a really difficult space to invest in, in general. And, you know, I would look at the, the things that are in that space, like a Scott's miracle grow that benefit from that space, but aren't necessarily growing plant. There are places to invest there. Uh, and I'm holding off on my best pick there. Cause I think it might be my February or March pick, but there's lots of plays to go. Simon Erickson, your thoughts on this one? Yeah, it's a great question, Tirith. And I would respond by saying each one of these beaten down markets is going to have to innovate in the coming years, right? The reason they're beaten down is because the traditional business they've been in isn't really working anymore. They're having to adapt to the market saying you have to do different things, right? Hotels have to deal with Airbnb being out there. Uh, energy companies have to deal with renewable energy, which is very different. Restaurants have to have, you know, pickup rather than people sitting down in there. And so I guess my most interesting one of, of all that list is probably retail, because I think that's going to cannibalize the least amount of the existing business they have. I think that's just a slowdown, but it doesn't go away. Dan and I have talked a lot about how bricks and mortar retail is still alive and well. It's just that there are certain companies that are that are doing well. Uh, with e-commerce. And I think that that will continue. So I, I'd probably go with retail out of that list. 
Yeah, and before I jump to Max, there are a couple of companies that the pandemic hurt, but that are great businesses. So if you look at like TJ Maxx, I know the TJX companies, Marshalls, Home Goods, TJ Maxx, they weren't an essential business. They're not an online business. So the pandemic, very much like cruise lines, which couldn't operate, those were really good businesses that were uniquely impacted by the pandemic. Uh, there are some restaurants like that, you know, the Cheesecake Factory, which has struggled to do to do takeout, even though they actually package and do takeout really well. I've never been by a Cheesecake Factory that's not crowded pre-pandemic. So that's a business that will probably come back. Would I invest in the Cheesecake Factory? Probably not, because you don't really know their full rent situation and who they've angered and how much they owe. And I, I'd look at a quarter or two worth of earnings. Uh, Max, you may not know that could be your nickname, because we're not going to know the companies you're talking about here would be my guess. Yeah, I don't know many of these uh, industries here too well uh, from the question. Um, but I would say just from in energy, like like Simon said, I mean, you have to differentiate between, you know, oil companies, which, you know, probably gonna have a pretty rough decade unless they transition into electricity utilities or gas utilities. Some of them already aren't, to be fair. Um, so, you know, so those companies will do well. I think electric utilities or even, you know, natural gas utilities, water utilities, those, those things will do well. Um, yeah. So anything in like renewable energy, batteries, energy storage, those are going to be fine no matter what. Uh, and then in restaurants, I don't know much about that industry, Dan, but I think a lot of people are just like, once the floodgates are opened and we're all allowed to go back out, I think it's going to be a lot of fun and a lot of craziness. So I think they're going to have some pretty good quarters as soon as everybody can get out of their house. Max lives in Pittsburgh, so he's bullish on putting the fries right on the sandwich. It's literally the only thing I know about Pittsburgh, though I did watch Andrew Zimmern uh, do a whole episode on all your weird sandwich shops and strange, you know, look, we figured out the sandwich. We don't need new additions to the sandwich. But that being said, uh, before we get to our finisher, there are a couple of other on the naughty list for all of Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, uh, Pittsburgh's, ab Pittsburgh's ability to do well this time of, of year is uh, typified by the Steelers' 0-3 run here in December. So. I, I wanted to ask if Pittsburgh has an opinion on the Philly cheesesteak, Max. Do you guys have anything like analogous to that out in Pittsburgh? Well, we have Primanti Bros, although the correct pronunciation for all you non-Yinzers is called uh, Primanskis. I don't know, it's just how they do it over there in Eastern oh. Europe or wherever, but... Uh, you know, deal with it. That uh, don't you also have like the dipped beef sandwich? Isn't that one of yours? But uh, again, compared to Philly, I'm pro Pittsburgh because the Philly cheesesteak is a pale comparison to the poorly marketed Boston style cheesesteak. That's nobody uses that term except for me, but a cheesesteak anywhere on the North shore of, of Boston is infinitely superior to Philly. And I know I'm throwing down a, a gauntlet there, but uh you know, again, if we're going to have some football analogies, I'll, I'll, I'll take what I've got over Carson Wentz. Before we get to our finisher, got to thank Samantha Bailey. Uh, Sam is our director of marketing. She also makes sure behind the scenes that these shows go smoothly. Like today, I just sent to her, hey, can we do a holiday-themed graphic for the show? And usually I do the graphic. She just whipped up a holiday-themed graphic. So there is a ton of things. There are other people. Simon, do you want to mention some of the other people on our team that, uh, that don't get in front of the camera all that often, if ever? Yeah. Perfect. Yeah, absolutely, Dan. I mean, thank you to Sam Bailey. Thank you to Ashley Wilson. Thank you to Jeff Richards. Thank you to JT Street. I mean, we've this is our marketing team that we don't get to have in front of the camera, like you said, quite as often, but super important to Seven Investing success. Uh, the team has grown. We've grown from four people to 11 people since March. Um, really thankful for everybody and all the efforts. 
and we look forward to next year. Of course, we're going to do two shows next week, Monday and Wednesday. Going to try to get the whole team on. That's a little tricky. There are some people traveling. Uh, we're going to try to do you know three people one day, three people the other, but it could end up four and two. It could end up five and one. We don't even know. We're going to do a best of where everybody's going to bring their sort of biggest favorite, the story that changed things the most. There's not going to be any real criteria for it. It's going to be the story you most want to talk about. And of course, we will take your comments. Uh, and you know, I'll throw it out. I will dress as old man winter if uh if max and simon if you guys do baby new year so that's actually not sure we can get that through the youtube sensors but sam bailey let's close out with a bang let's hit our finisher which struggling retailer will have the best holiday season Uh, overwhelmingly people said nordstrom uh i'm actually gonna say none of the above and i would have said in a normal year nordstrom might have been the one on this list that had a chance because they are a differentiated realtor uh, you know, a, a retail store, they have sort of a high-end merchandise, but with less people going to the mall because of the pandemic and people being more focused, I've been to the mall, but it's more like, okay, I'm going here. I'm going here. My son wants a pretzel. He can eat it in the car on the way outside. Um, I think that makes it so struggling retailers are not going to be able to have a reset at Christmas. Max, I, I will spare you this. I know this is not an area you want to talk about. Simon, do you have any thoughts on this? You, you, you shop, you cover retail a little. I don't have a strong opinion, Dan. The only comment I can make is that I loved your joke about Sears doing social distancing in its stores before there actually was social distancing (laughs) this year. Here's the thing. The merchandise situation at Sears, and I loved Sears. I used to buy clothes at Sears. Like That was a great place to buy like a pair of slacks. Like I'm not even sure what the guy... I guess I'd go to Kohl's now. But Sears' merchandise is so bad that I've stopped going to Sears going out of business sales because like, if you weren't going to buy it when it was 50% off when they weren't going out of business, why would you buy it for an extra few percent off? And, and you know, they're not even bringing in those companies that liquidate you where all of a sudden it's like not Sears merchandise. Like you can just get like, you know, really cheap stuff and then you can buy the fixtures. It is going to be a sad end for some of these companies, but a happy end for us. We are two days away from Christmas. So remember, you can get gift subscriptions. Just have a subscription, put it in there and then send us an email. We can change it over. That's it for this edition of seven investing. Now, if you want to get in touch with us uh, and it is easy to get in touch with us, you can hit us up at info at seven investing.com. Uh, usually it's Steve Symington who's answering those, but he'll f- send them out to all of us. Um, and we respond if, if, un- unless you're terribly hateful to us. Uh, and even if, if you're hateful and polite, we'll probably still respond. Um, it's a cheesesteak comment, Dan. We're going to get some comments <laughs> on that one. <laughs> Cheese whiz does not belong on a sandwich. I will take that one to the bank. You can also reach us at 7investing on Twitter. At given times, that could be any of us. We're all sharing tweets there. In the morning, it's usually me. Uh, if it's a poll question, it's often me. It's interactive, it's fun, and we are growing by leaps and bounds. We've added, I don't know, 1,200 subscribers in the last like three or four weeks. It's been stunning. But we want to finish 2021. Is that what's coming next? 2021. We want to finish with 50,000 subscribers or more on our Twitter channel. Same thing on our YouTube. I just made those up, but tell your friends uh, because we want the word to get out. The free show leads to people wanting to become members. 
guys, with that, go put your, I'm Jewish. I don't know what you do. Put your goose in the oven, put your ham on the mantle, hang your socks with, I don't know. We didn't do any of that. We like half had lit a menorah and maybe my mom made potato lucky. So not my thing, but Merry Christmas. I'll of course be celebrating uh, sort of with my wife that we've pushed Christmas till June. I've talked too much. We will see you Monday on the next edition of seven investing now. that people on this program may hold positions in the companies that are mentioned. Buying and selling stock carries financial risk, which could include the loss of capital. The views in this program should not be taken as personalized advice. Before acting on any of the information provided, listeners are encouraged to consult a financial or tax professional.